0: So if you love the show please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, he spent more time as a kid looking up birthdays of child actors than watching TV or movies. Welcome Lucas Hedges. OK. my guest today is actor lucas hedges he has a long list of film credits including dan in real life moonrise kingdom the zero theorem labor day kill the messenger the grand budapest hotel manchester by the sea three billboards outside and Lady Bird. he starred on the tv series the slap he is a graduate of the saint anne's high school His father is writer and director Peter Hedges, and his mother is the actress-poet Susan Bruce. He has a brother named Simon. He grew up in Brooklyn, and they have really cute dogs in their family who do really good tricks. So welcome, Lucas Hedges.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I am so excited to have you here today. There's so much going on in your life. And for a younger guest, you have a tremendously exciting resume Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So, I was wondering, sort of, what the beginning was mm. of when you started and how you started. Yeah.
1: So, um, as you know, my dad's been a, well. My mom was an actress, and my dad's been making movies for since I was born. And when I was younger, I was a, I was obsessed with IMDb. Uh-huh. IMDb was like the, my first love. You'd be like, "Where's
0: Lucas?" I don't know. No. And then you'd be under your covers with like a flashlight. I, I, sp-
1: I spent more time on IMDb probably than I did watching movies growing up. What were you looking for? What was your fascination? My fascination was with child actors. Okay. Fortunately, I'm not. I, I was a child at the time. I wasn't a grown a grown up who's who's fascinated with child actors. But because you'd be because you're I was in jail. A, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what you. We're doing. But so I'm, uh, I'm grateful that that phase passed. But I memorized—I don't know why—child actors' birthdays when I was in like third grade.
0: What was the genesis of this passion,
1: th- as it were? I think it was some sort of like, it, it was wishful th- thinking in some res- like I, I just wanted to be like a child. I wanted to be a kid who was in movies. Like I would daydream about being in movies, but I never ever thought it was a genuine possibility. Okay. Even though my dad was a filmmaker, and it was around and, you, and it was around me. Yeah, and and I was an ex. I was even in my dad's movie. Dan in real life. I remember seeing Little Miss Sunshine when it came out, and just thinking if I could be on the screen for two seconds and just say hey or hi, I would be the happiest kid in the world. And. And I was, and then I was on screen for two seconds in my dad's movie and, and, and it, w- but I remember, but he cut my scene actually, he cut my scene. That and, was and like I'm, a dark day yeah. in the Hedges household. It, it, it was a dark day, but then it turned out he, I got paid for like four weeks of acting, so it really didn't end up being that bad. <laughs>
0: So you had to deal with all of it at once—the dream and then the harsh reality yeah. of what happens, which is it's an editor's medium film.
1: Very true. Yeah. Throughout my childhood, I was auditioning for plays at Saint Anne's, and in fourth grade, I was cast as the gate. I got the gate in um, the like like one of the six people who played the gate in the play. And was
0: this like? A show about Home Depot? like no.
1: what? <laughs> It was a show about... Was it, it was fun? Vasilisa the Fair. It's a show... It's like a Russian folk tale. I, guess. I don't know. Folk tale. Myth.
0: This is why I want Georgia to go to Sene.
1: Right? Right away. I'm already <laughs>
0: overwhelmed and impressed.
1: <laughs> and then in seventh grade... I auditioned for Nicholas Nickleby.
0: Okay. I feel like there should be like cinematic music right? rising I right know, now. I know. I know. Oh, <laughs> that's Ariel from Little Mermaid. That's not what I
1: meant. But still. It's what I ended up writing my college essay on actually this moment. So I auditioned for this play and I remember when the cast list was going up, I was pray. I literally ran up the stairs praying that I wouldn't get a big part. After all that. After, I was praying that I would get ensemble or wouldn't be in it because I was so scared. There was nothing I, uh, that scared me more than doing a play and standing in the wings before, entr- before right. my entrance. Right. How do you walk over that threshold? It's terrifying. It's still terrifying, it's, Oh, actually. it's still the scariest thing yeah. in the world, yeah. but it's something that I've grown comfortable at least more, someone more comfortable living with.
0: Is it like High School Musical where the cast list goes up and everyone looks at the same yes. time? It's exactly it like that. it is
1: that. I actually remember in this particular instance, I came up to the ninth floor and I was running to see the list, and my and my friend, Aiden, was like, he was pissed off because he didn't get a good role, but he was right. like, you got Smike. And my heart literally sunk. Smike is this is the is like the he's this little crippled orphan boy who is he's a major supporting character. He's the character that I imagined I would have gotten if I had gotten a role. If you had wanted a role. If I had wanted a role, yeah. <laughs> In <the> first place.
0: <laughs> so Aiden kind of tells you. Do you go look just to make sure? I looked,
1: and then and then this girl was like, do you want me to write your initials next to it to confirm, like, as, like sign the contract? <laughs> no. And no. I was like, just give it a second, because I need to talk to the director. And then I ran downstairs to tell the director that I couldn't do it. Um, oh, my God. And I couldn't find the director and so as luck would have it as luck would have it yeah i couldn't find her and then i went outside and my mom was waiting for me and i and i remember it's it was like back in the day when everyone's parents picked them up from school right. so i just i walked outside and i ran before
0: the jetpack took you home
1: yeah no I mean, exactly <laughs> Beep, boop, boop, boop. right
0: of course this is back in the oh, thousands yeah
1: and i burst into tears in my and she probably was like oh no Oh
0: no, Lucas didn't get a part.
1: I don't know. I mean, I, it was all a blur to me and, and I remember there were like friends on, on on like I could see my friends in my peripheral vision and but I just burst into tears and went and my mom hugged me and we walked around the block a few times and she sat me down and said, You don't have to do the play, but just give it a day. Like mm-hmm. just give yourself some time. And I went home. We went home and I played GameCube uh, I played Look Simpsons, at, Hit and Run.
0: Looked at some kids up on IMDb. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> What's Abigail M. Do? Yeah.
1: Abigail Breslin? Breslin? She was definitely a girl's right. name. Right. birthday, I memorized. Abigail Breslin. Um, I think it was like May of 1996. Oh my May God. 28th this is my is guess. is such
0: a good trivia game that we're going to make a fortune <laughs> yeah, every- with. <laughs>
1: Don't tell anyone. Yes, that child starts. Exactly. And, but then I ended up calling my friend Henry Walker. Who was cast as Nicholas Nickleby? He's the lead role, the title role. And I went over to his house, and we had a sleepover, and we played Halo Three. <laughs> we played and more video uh huh,
0: uh huh. That was
1: like that's all I did back in the day. Was, I played a lot of GameCube and Xbox. <laughs> I remember there was a moment at his house where I thought, okay, like this is exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this play. It was amazing. So you did the play. So I did the play. And this, is, this play is where it all begins all for right. me. Like, it, this is really...
0: All right. S- so the first 10 minutes of this interview, we're not even going to use them.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> is it all? Ladies and gentlemen, it all starts <laughs> now.
1: All right. So this play happens, and uh, around... I'm just going to jump to the, the first standout moment, which is... It's like 7th and it's like 6th, 7th and 8th grade matinee. It's the middle of the day. It's probably our third performance and I'm in the middle of my monologue about how no one loves me, nobody would ever want to be friends with Smike. All this like classic Smike self-loathing monologue. In the middle of the monologue, like I genuinely burst into tears. Not like like uh, actor crying, like Like as though I was talking to my therapist. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was magical. Mm -hmm. And I saw out of the corner of my eye, uh, keep seeing things out of the corner of my eyes, but my friend sitting in the front row and he's like, he can't believe. The story I was telling at the moment is he couldn't believe what he was seeing. And he was like shaking back and forth and like slapping his leg and in that moment, I was aware like what's happening right now, it truly felt like something that happened to me and something that was magical. And what happened after that was I became known throughout the school right. and my dad went to the late, the performance later that day, that night, and he ran into some high schoolers who he knew and, and he was like, what are you doing here? And, and they had been assigned to go see this play because of my performance. And it was like a little bit of hometown celebrity. Mm -hmm. And it was my first real role.
0: Right. Were you able to do it? So what happened that night? Because this is the actor's night. It's like also, oh, this isn't a film. Mm. Need to do it again Yeah. or want to do it again. Uh, And is it going to be organic again? Hmm. Like,
1: so what happened that night? So I had several more performances, but what happened was after... That, that really good one. After that really great one, my, the director came up to me and said, okay, that was amazing. I don't want you to try to make it happen again. Like, don't try to do it again. Um, and I heard her and completely ignored her. <laughs> <laughs> Because I just cried on stage and I'm going to cry on stage again. Yeah. <laughs> that was my thought process. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember sitting back like I I have to lie down behind a desk before my entrance for this monologue. And I remember just sitting behind this desk and just trying to make myself cry. And every single time I did, I could. I just thought ab- I t- I thought about this story my dad told me. I won't reveal the story, but a, a sad story he told me from second grade, from second grade in his own life, that always broke my heart. Mm. And whenever I went on, I, I didn't like burst into tears on stage, but I, I could always make myself cry for whatever and for whatever reason that meant something to me at the time. And then a casting director who's casting a movie called Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close asked her daughter, who was in the grade beneath me at Saint Anne's who she thought was a great actor that could maybe audition for this. And and her daughter recommended me. And so I went in to audition for this movie, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which at the time was highly anticipated. Right. Stephen Daldry directing, Scott Rudin producing, uh, written by Jonathan Safran-Fior, another St. Anne's parent, about 9-11, a kid whose dad dies in 9-11. And I went in and I auditioned. And I remember I was in puppetry, another Pro to going to Saint Anne's, I was in puppetry class the next day, and I got a call. My mom said you got a call back, so I, the next day, then went in and met, read for the director. And funny, funny enough, he had me read this scene off the page, and he, and I asked him right before I started reading it, is this an emotional scene? Like, is my character emotional in the scene? And he said yes, and I just started. I just read it. <laughs> and this is turning into like a, me, like a me just talking about times in which I've cried as an actor, but <laughs> the tears were just pouring down my face, pouring down my face. And then the next day I, we got a call that was like, we want Lucas to come in for a weekend long sc- like screen test slash audition process. Mm-hmm. And they've narrowed it down to like six kids. So I go in for this weekend long process and- have me do art projects to like I don't I wow, didn't know exactly why at the time but I think it was to sort of see if there was any align any alignment between the way I functioned as a human being and how they perceived the character would because mm-hmm. the character's sort of on the spectrum
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it uh, culminated in in a screen test in which there were monitors in the other room and in the other room I I, I did not know at the time was a man named Scott Rudin sitting uh-huh. and watching so I did these scenes and And after we finished, Stephen walked me into the other room and said, I want you to meet someone. Mm -hmm. And Scott came out and we shook hands. At that moment, I knew it was down to me and this one other boy, the kid who ended up getting the part. And then a week passed and I found out I wasn't going to get it. I was dreading getting the part as well. It's this constant theme of just being terrified of actually taking a risk or... or, uh, I'm just terrified of failing, terrified. And, and I don't blame myself. I was a kid. I'm right. not putting myself down.
0: Let's talk about that because I think the idea of stage fright, which mm. people have talked a lot about on this podcast. Oh, yeah? Um. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, you are in great company. All of these wonderful actors who go back and forth pretty seamlessly between film and stage talk about what it is to literally make their body move when it wants to stop on the other side of the curtain, right? And Mm. mostly for me, it was always, I just want to do right by the writer. Like, here's this person. I've just come into the process. The writer has spent a really long time working on this material, and often it involves people that they care a lot about or something they care a lot about. So it's the weight of sort of their travels with it that I also mm. you know bring onto the stage with me. but have you thought about what that terror is?
1: Yeah, a lot. I have a st- stage terror, but I think it also links to my everyday terror, which is really I think they're one in the same. the, the fear that I I take with me on stage is, is is a magnified version of the fear I live with on a daily basis. And the, th- the thing about the theater is that if you fail, I mean, at least what I perceive to be true about the theater, when I am engaging, when I'm living from fear, is that if I fail, then I am all of a sudden unworthy in the eyes of everyone who's watching.
0: Mm-hmm. That's kind of an amazing thing to be able to put it in a sentence, So much of life is struggling to even name it, Mm. let alone start working on it. (laughs) So what a gift to be able to at least, start. I mean, it doesn't doesn't make you feel better at all, but it does sort of give you- um, An awareness. Yeah, Yeah. which is great. So this is now, we started off knowing that in your first film, you were cut, then (laughs) (laughs) your first huge audition for a major motion picture, it- Was a great start, but you also at a very young age had to deal with like, why didn't I, why did the other guy Mm. get it? But Mm. then you did get cast in what seemed like a great appropriate way to begin a film career, working with Wes Anderson, Mm -hmm. who's a magical, magical director in a part that was fantastic, but you didn't (laughs) have to carry the movie. Yeah. So that must have been like a great way to start learning how to be in a film. I yeah. would imagine not to put words in your mouth.
1: Well, so part of the reason to, to pick up where I left off. Yeah. Um I I think part of the reason why I ended up getting Moonrise Kingdom was because of my audition for Extremely Loud because Scott produced Moonrise. And if I had to 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 guess, I would say that Scott probably um maybe said some things to Wes because I was auditioning at the time and I he brought me back several more times and then he offered me Redford um did you read I read for Sam I read okay. for but it was like also like three or four callbacks um which also at the time like getting a callback was probably I mean it still is but was probably the the happiest moments of my life were when I got the call like I, you, they want to bring you back and it wasn't even like at the time it wasn't even as much about like going back in the room it was about like I got the call back and then it was like oh sh- oh shit I gotta go I gotta right. go I gotta go right. work now yeah Moonrise was it's hard for me to talk about Moonrise Exact uh, for some reason I think it has something to do with the fact that I I was very young on it and I wanted to escape my life. The hard thing for me was that when I was younger and I'd see myself in a movie, I would hate myself in the movie. Mm-hmm. So all the movies I did when I was very young, I would see and I would I would like every part of the movie except for myself in mm-hmm. it.
0: And you did so
1: much. And I did a lot and it's hard because every you know, you think that working with all these auteurs that like th- I imagined that if I could get a lead role in a movie, I could like call, I could I could like die now. My life would be complete. But my journey as an actor, as of late, has been like it's not about me. It has nothing to do with me.
0: You are so wise and self-aware and honest. It is truly awe-inspiring. And I feel like you just had the opportunity to weave in all those qualities in this last film, Manchester by the Sea. I wonder what it was like to work with Ken Lonergan
1: on that. I feel like Kenny like literally... Reached down and like like with like the hand of God and like picked me up and was like lit cradled me and in this magical I I I, I owe so much I've I, I've taken so much from him mm-hmm. and and one of the things that he encouraged most on his film sets and and in the scenes was that. We have no idea how these characters are going to react. They, right. There's no way we can. And, and because the characters are dealing with trauma and tragedy and grief, there is an inherent unpredictability about about it. Right. And, and, and the scenes are almost written that way. Um, they can be played a million different ways.
0: So when did you decide to go to college? I know you decided to go to your dad's alma mater, the North Carolina School of the Arts. And I'm just curious about
1: that. What I realized is, is I want to be an actor right now. And if I want to be an actor right now, what's stopping me from, from going and studying acting? Mm -hmm. And... I need to get my hours. I need to get my hour ten thirty thousand ten thousand. I think 000. Malcolm Gladwell yeah. says
0: ten thousand.
1: So the best way for me to get my hours is to go train.
0: Mm-hmm. So you went for a year.
1: So I went for a year and I had the most transformative year of my life. Yeah. So
0: why are you not there now?
1: So I'm not there now because.
0: I mean, I'm glad you're in my podcast booth. But <laughs> I
1: feel like, yeah, we wouldn't be able to do yeah. this if I was there right now. I'm here now for several reasons well one on my movie manchester by the sea was i went to sundance in the middle of my freshman year and it was clear to me that it would bring me opportunities that if i was lucky by the time i left the school would be waiting for me not mm-hmm. even waiting for me i that i would, would have be there. yeah and if my goal is to work and I'm—I have a lineup of two films and a play this year. I would probably have be very regretful if I if I missed out on these amazing opportunities to essentially originate roles. Like, I mean, we don't say originate. We don't say that actors in movies originate their roles. But I am the only person who will ever play this part. That's right. And and what an honor, what a privilege, especially when you're working with people like Martin McDonough, Greta Gerwig, and and now Trip Coleman at. MCC. And on top of that, I felt like the the, the other great luxury of being an actor is and, and the hardest thing about it is that there's a lot of space in between jobs. And I felt like I could use that space to learn how to love myself mm-hmm. um, and to really take care of myself in a way that was very active and not just sitting around waiting, but I could practice all of these things that were very difficult to practice at, at a conservatory in which you are so loaded with work um, that you can't see straight most of the time. So it, it felt like it was an, really the opportunity of a lifetime for me. And, and I could also discover if this is what I really want to do with my life.
0: You should also try stand-up. You're one of the funniest people <laughs>
1: Oh, that's very sweet. I I think that would that's actually something I should definitely do. I, that's a, you want to feel terrifying. terror. I even actually thought of a thought of a stand up joke on the way over here. All right. So, <laughs> and, and then and then the second I thought of it, I was like, "That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life." All right, but what, what is so it? so? it Was let the, the listeners. So, so the G train came. Yeah. Um, I was waiting for the F train, but the G train came. And these two people sitting next to me got up and were wait- they looked like they were in terrible moods. They got up and they stood right in front of the doors, and then the G train just pulled away. <laughs>
0: it didn't even stop <laughs> and it stop was like it open. didn't
1: it didn't stop and open. And this, it was this idea that like, and I'm not going to deliver it in the stand up way because I'll embarrass myself, but it's this idea that it was almost like they got up, they were waiting for their date. It, they, they like were getting up to like meet their date, and then they just got. They just got stood up by like the G train.
0: G train looked at them and pretended that yeah, like, it was they were. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was like, why did the why couldn't the G train just just open nope. the doors? Nope,
0: not because they misrepresented themselves on cupid.com <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. So, I want to ask you as a kid sort of digging deep into the world of IMDb.
1: I even was interviewed by IMDb. Just Talk saying. about
0: like when <laughs> Fantasy and Reality crash together yeah. in that way you have now come up at a time where social media is a huge huge part of being a personality mm-hmm. that people recognize are you on social media do you I'm engage not on in social that? Media. so you've been able to
1: I had a flip phone for a year yeah. but I had to get an iPhone when I went to LA to do this movie so I could have Uber but I do you don't have a
0: driver's license
1: I do have a driver's license okay. but I'm too young to rent a car yeah so I don't have social media, and in an ideal world, I don't interact with it just right. because it it excites a part of my ego that doesn't really want to uh, shut up.
0: But you're very self-aware yes. in that way. Okay, you must get recognized
1: at this point. I probably can count the, the amount of times I've been recognized on both of my hands, which is really not you that have much. Big hands. Yeah, I've ma-
0: <laughs> so that's a lot. That's not nothing, my friend.
1: So no, I mean there was one guy who was like staring at me funny on the train, and and I was like thinking like, oh, he's seeing me in something. But mm. then I was like, people stared at me funny my whole life. So right. Like, what? This doesn't like this doesn't necessarily mean I've been recognized.
0: Well, does it feel good to uh, be on IMDb with credits and articles?
1: The weird. So I w- the other day I went on Jimmy Kimmel. It's been really weird uh experiencing this world from the uh I mean I've experienced it my whole life from the outside looking in and now to be inside of it looking out. Like just the other day I met I was I met both uh Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone on a red carpet in the matter of 2 minutes. And Emma Stone had seen Manchester by the sea and was um it's uh it's hard for me to say whether or not it's a dream come true because because it it, it doesn't it doesn't it, it doesn't feel real. It's mm-hmm. it, none of it feels real. It, mm-hmm. it, it feels very hazy. and I can't say that I can't say that I'm confident that any of it even happened. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, 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 it really just feels like a, a one long daydream. So maybe f- 20 years from now I'll be able to to, to say it was a dream come true, but I can't even say if it came true yet. So,
0: <laughs> Well, that's why going back to the theater and mm-hmm. just going to work during the headiest of times might yeah. be just the most right thing for you to do, yeah. I would venture to say. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah. That's um, it's uh, there's just, just the the fact that I get to be grounded in this work right now and I have to. Yeah. Like I literally have to stay on the ground on this planet is such a blessing.
0: So this is what I want to say to you. The thing about this podcast is it's evergreen, right? Like this Mm. is going to be out there forever. So we're capturing a moment in time that Mm. people are going to listen to in the next few months and then the next few years because that's how it works. But we are coming out of a very intense election where we are all numb and really active at the same time in terms of like, what is our place in this and what are we going to do? And what I want to say to you is to be in the presence of someone who at 19 has the wisdom of a sage and the empathy that I wish all humans could have, the talent that you've been born with and are now nurturing and cultivating and studying. You know, a lot of people have gifts. But if you don't then build on that gift, you don't deepen as an artist. Mm -hmm. And so to sit in the presence of someone like you right now, I want to thank you for your openness. I feel so grateful that you shared so many of your true feelings You bring others so much joy, and now it's your turn to (laughs) reap the same benefits Mm. of what you're giving us. So thank you for being here. Thank
1: you so much for having me. It is my pleasure. This was really helpful, a helpful way for me to start my day.
0: Good. Well, yeah. come back. We'll, we're here every morning,
1: so, so just, I'll come by every now day. Now you know where 50th Street start, is. So I'll just quick start my day. Jump started.
0: Jump started. Hopefully the G train will stop. We're across from the applebee Now you know where to find us. And uh, anyway, Lucas Hedges, thank you for being thank here. Thank
1: you so much for having you me. You
0: are so welcome. Lucas is really passionate about the organization Planned Parenthood, and if you want to give or learn more about the organization, go to plannedparenthood.org. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast